one of kind of the soft, let's just say like a softer way of asking is, um, is at some point in that conversation, finding out what the time frame is. So it's a way for the investor to sort of push back a little. Like if you say what, you know, you've had this great conversation, it's the end of the meeting and you say, um, you know, so I know you're working on this search and, and you've got this due diligence is underway. Like what's the time frame um, for this? Is it like a three month thing, a six month thing, a 12 month thing? Welcome to Innovation and Leadership where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part two of our interview with Stacey Havener. If you missed part one, go back and, and hear about her last year's raising $8 billion for uh, investment funds out there and the most important thing, which is listen first and actually listen. Um, and uh, Stacey, as we kind of talked about at the end of part one, I, I would love to just spend part two here going down just a master class of um, if I am your new client, I'm a new investment mm -hmm. fund manager and you're trying to help me gain some sophistication, you know, build like maybe I'm good at investing money, but now I need to learn how to really yeah. raise money. Can you just mm -hmm. give me some coaching of, hey, when I do yeah. meet a new either high net worth individual or or uh, an, an entity that might potentially look at becoming an investor, starting that relationship and, you know, what things to definitely avoid, like pitching them before they want to hear what I've got to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Right. The mantra should be like, just be a human, really be a person, you know? Um, so I love what you said there, Jess. Yeah. So a lot of, it's, it's such a common, um, I'm not even going to say problem. It's just such a common setup, what you described, where a portfolio manager will come to us and be super talented at investing and then also be like, I'm not really sure why I don't have more money or I'm not really confident in marketing. And the first thing to say is like, that's 100% okay because not everybody is good at everything, right? And, and usually what happens with our managers, and it probably happens with anybody who's slightly uncomfortable selling, but very talented at doing whatever the thing is that they do, is you, you get uncomfortable because you're now, quote, selling. And so you start saying what you think everybody wants you to say, right? You're like, oh, people want to hear this. So that's what I'm going to say. And what it ends up sounding like is basically like that mom and peanuts, like just man, 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 like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's blah, right? It has no edge. No, nothing's interesting. You sound like everybody else. It's just, it's, and it's because you're trying to sound like everybody else. Yeah. Right. And so what we try to do with our with our clients is just, again, get them talking. So we start asking them questions like just get them telling their story. Why did you get into this business? Who did you work for before you started your firm? How do they influence you um, and get them kind of in touch with the non quantitative things? A lot of times in our world, it's investing, it's math, it's numbers. So people want to spit stats and performance figures and all kinds of things. And that's great. And there's a place for that, but that doesn't pull at anyone's heartstrings. And again, 
people want to feel connected. They want to, they want to buy with their heart. That is actually what buys first. And I'm using air quotes on buy, right? Yeah. Um, and so we get the managers talking about their story and why they do what they do. And obviously, I mean, we talk books all the time, but that Simon Sinek book of, of, um, start with why, like that is everything. And so, but it's very uncommon in the investment world to talk about story and qualitative and, and to really even, you know, let any of your personality show, show. So that's what we do. And ultimately what you find is everybody has a story and, and everybody's story is very interesting, even though they might not realize it. So that's usually where it starts. I mean, and, and that's what, especially for us, when we raise these kind of new funds, um, the early adopters who invest in those, they like the story. They like the people, they like the pedigree, they like the why they're the equivalent of like, you know, the, the, the consumer who sleeps outside the Apple store to get the latest phone, because even if it doesn't work, it's gold or whatever. I'm not an Apple person. So like whatever drives you to do that and, and get the next greatest, best thing that's early adopter. Right. And you do it for a different reason. You don't do it because the phone works perfectly. You know, so I'm loving what you're saying. And I, you know, to me, these, these principles apply, whether you're an entrepreneur raising for a business or a fund manager raising for a fund. You know, mm-hmm. but like we're, you know, we're getting ready to, to do a fund. And once we get our approvals from the SEC, we'll be able to market it to everyone. And so we're, you know, we're trying to get ready that and think of that. And, um, I'm just thinking about like people that we've been getting advice from, including yourself on what to do. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's the Sundance film festival out here right now. And there's a, a big fund that just flew in from New York. We had a lunch with on Friday and we were telling them about what we're doing with the real estate and this and the stable income and don't speculate and stuff. And the, you know, that we want to, we want to basically take a portion of our manager profits and put it into the charity. We started 10 years ago to combat child trafficking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. At the end of like two hours, these two former JP Morgan private wealth folks who do a big, big dollars, right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Who, are, who are at this new platform, you know, kind of a high profile, cool kids uh, firm in Manhattan, right. At the end of it, their biggest piece of advice for me was, um, you know, I like, you know, I like that it's stabilized. I like the yield. Uh, you got to lead with your story, though, because that's yeah. where you got me. And so yeah. here, here it is, however many days later, and you're like telling me the exact same thing. And it's like, I know it is. It is true. The like, there's so much on the line. We get nervous. We stop being ourselves. We yes, you were trying to play this part. And like, I get dress for the part, you know, yes. um, put your best foot forward and stuff like that. But back to your point about being a human, like you think about whether it's the ultra high net worth individual or it's the, you know, it's the company, it's the entity, it's the firm that that would Mm -hmm. become an investor. They have been seen as a walking ATM machine by so many people trying to use them. Yeah. This idea of like connecting with them at the human level. I know it's not rocket science, but sometimes some, for some reason, the way you're saying it makes me think like, take a deep breath, quit thinking about myself. Yes. Really connected to the human level. We can always share the Excel spreadsheets later. Yes. Preach. That's it. You're always going to get to the Excel sheets later. That's the thing. And, and that's the thing that most people in the investment world forget. And they think, oh, well, this investor wants to know what my return is. That's all they care about. That's wrong. There's so much, there's so many different return streams they can buy. Come on. They can buy an index fund for like no money. Well, like so it's like it's like yeah. so 
like why why should they care about you at all not so, just your fund but like you yeah so what i'm loving about this is i'm thinking like i know that you are a nut for follow up you know i know that yes. you i know that you are intense about like we're going to stay friends with this person whether they're buying or not and like you right like you are in my estimation significantly above average at keeping the relationship going even if it doesn't look like an imminent sale um <laughs> But this idea of this idea of doing that from a human perspective, right? Of a yeah. like, like I know they're not your friend, but in a sense, like seeing them as more than just a walking check, right? In the yes. way that we do that. Um, can you talk about how else that shows up? Can you just talk about, um, okay, rookies, new managers, new, yeah. you know, entrepreneurs trying to raise for their, you know, they're doing fundraising for the first time where they're they're raising a lot more zeros than they've ever raised before. Or something. Yeah. Can you talk about this? Like people drop the ball all the time, you know, cardinal sins that you see happen is, uh, they don't actually schedule the follow-ups or they don't book their next meeting from this meeting or they, mm -hmm. so we've talked about jumping the gun and pitching before we yep. found out what they care about. Yeah. What are, what are other, what are the other of the biggest mistakes that okay. you see? Love it. Love this. It's like my pet peeve list. There are certain things that if my sales team does any of them, I'll say to them, I'm going to throw myself out the window. If I, if you ever do that again, I literally, luckily my window's only second story, but there are certain things that I'm like, that is a cardinal sin to use your, your phrase. Um, so here's one of them emails that are ridiculously long, a common thing, maybe in every industry, 100% in ours, it's the same. It's like the email version of throwing up on someone on the phone, but then they're like, oh, well, since it's email, I'll just do it here. It's like, look at all this white space I can fill up. This is perfect. Let me write 18 paragraphs about us and how great we are right? About the fund and how great the fund is. And then on top of the email being long, let me attach every file I have <laughs> on the fund right now, right here. First email, let's do it. So many bad things there. So many. First of all, how many emails do you get in a, in a day? A lot, right? These investors get a lot of emails. And by the way, they have other things on their plate besides you and your strategy. So now you're expecting them to take, I don't know, however long it's going to take them to read this email. What they're going to do is open it, see it's long. Even if they loved everything you said in the first caller meeting, they're going to have to read it later because they are working on other things. And guess what happens? They don't. So now you've just taken all this time to hopefully craft the email, not just cut and paste some, you know, bogus template, which is probably what people do. Um, but you've, you've lost it. You've lost the opportunity to have any connection from your call. You weren't a human. You went back to being like a zombie. And then on top of that, you attached every file you have. Why, why did you do that? Okay. So now, when do now, they, when should they attach so, files? Tell me okay, what to do so instead. My rule, okay. So my rule is you can't attach more than two files. Like there cannot be that many important things that they need to literally read every document you have right now. So whatever you talked about, whatever that incremental next step is, send that thing, right? Or if they requested something, send that thing, one thing in an email with a very interesting subject line that makes them want to open it. That's probably about, you know, follow up to your question or, you know, you asked or homework from our meeting or whatever, make it about them and attach one thing, give it to them in a digestible way 
And also, and I won't be crass, but like if you send every file you have, what's left? Mm -hmm. What do you have left? They, anytime you call from this point forward, they could just literally get you off the phone by saying, I have all your information. I'll call you if I'm interested. You know, it's funny as you talk, I just can't help but think, um, you know, at our charity Child Rescue Association, we do have some folks who um, spent decades with uh, some of the intelligence agencies in the intelligence space developing sources, right? And they mm-hmm. talk about how much it's like romance. It and is. Like, you know, <laughs> you don't, you don't like, you probably should ask the girl on a date first before asking her to marry you, you know, like yeah. just, right? And this idea of like, letting level up a bit, little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, the trust builds, the the yes. familiarity builds and it goes, and there's like a, a, a organic back and forth. Yes. To me, that sounds like what you're talking about. Is that? That's totally right. Because, and again, just put yourself in their shoes. Is that how you would want someone to sell something to you? Regardless, whatever it is, the answer is probably no. You know, I just, I, I just, um, bought a car today. I just took delivery of a car, which is great. We've had one car in our family for like ever. We had no car for a long time when we lived in Boston. So this is like probably not a big deal to most people, but for us, it's like, you know, I'm 43 and I was like, this is a big deal. So, okay. Um, so we buy the car, right. And, and obviously now I'm working with a car salesman and it's not lost on me that here I've built my career in sales and I'm working with a car salesman, which is like the penultimate, like, you know, right. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm so interested in how this is going to go and like how they are and whatever. And they were great. And, and here's the thing. So a lot of people, when they buy a car, they want to negotiate the price, Mm -hmm. right? I did not care about the price. I cared about the price. But I wasn't interested in nickeling and diming them on price. I live in Rhode Island and I bought the car in Massachusetts and it's an hour and a half drive. We have a three-year-old. I'm running a business. I do not want to drive back and forth to a dealer that's an hour and a half from me to sign papers and do all these things. So when I talked to them, I was very clear that here's what I care about. I don't want to come back to your dealership. So I want you to bring the papers to me here at my office so that I can sign them. And when the car is ready, I want you to bring it to Rhode Island to the VinCheck place and I will meet you there and take the car from you there. And I won't negotiate the price. I'll pay full price. But that's what's important to me. And they said, excuse me, they said, okay, done, done sale. And I give you that example because I, again, I'm a salesperson and I was very clear about what was important to me. Most of the time when you're pitching someone to some, when you're pitching something to someone, they're not going to be that clear, but those are the things you want to listen for. If they heard me talking about my life is really hectic right now and I really like the car, but it's so far away. If they had offered that, then they're solving a problem for me. And I didn't even want to negotiate the price. I was willing to pay full price for the convenience of not having to get in my car and drive there again. And they made it happen. So, so tell me this. I'm the first time manager. I finally have a meeting with somebody who could give a big allocation, yeah. right? Or, or let's start even earlier. I'm at the cocktail party and yeah. I don't know who I'm talking to and we're shooting the breeze and all of a sudden it comes up. Oh, yeah. holy cow. Like I've just been talking to this guy. I didn't realize he could be an investor, right? Right. And w- what's the walk first thing you want to do? Yeah, right. The first thing you want to do Listen is how awesome go, oh my I God, am. I have me, a fund. Let me tell you about my stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh my God, you're an investor. I have a fund. Let me tell you all about it. And let me tell you how awesome I am. Okay. So the, let's the, do, the, let's do a sped up. Walk me yeah. through like, <laughs> give me just like a quick, okay, don't pitch him. 
Become right. a friend. Try to set the hook. Then at the next meeting, ask do them this. a question. Yeah, give me ask give me like the five steps. Yep. So ask them. So they've just said they're an investor. You could ask them just again like a warm up question, which is like, oh, you know, what type of a firm? Are you work for an RIA? Are you a family office? Like, just get them talking about themselves. And then you could say, oh, what are you guys working on? You know, what's on the research radar right now? And get them talking about that. And then if there's an entry point for you, they say real estate is on our radar. We're having, you know, real estate's on our radar. Let's just say they leave it there. You say, oh, that's interesting. I, I actually am in the real estate space. Like what, what's been challenging or what specifically are you looking at there? And all you do is ask them questions. And at the yeah, end- Yeah, but I like how you slip in just like the tiniest spark. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You just like, you, yeah. you know, this is, this is back to college. You know, you're like that attractive member of the yeah. uh, opposite sex that you're talking to yeah. and you're trying to, you know, right? Yeah. And you're, you're, uh, you're, yeah. you're just like the tiniest, the subtlety of a hook. Tiniest. Right? Tiny. Um, yes. So let's say that you do a few of those and they say- uh, send me your stuff or they say, yeah, we could get together yeah. and talk. Yeah. Give, give me a few, like when you get there, give me a few pet peeves of the first meeting and then give me some pet peeves of the second meeting. Okay. So the first, so the first thing is to go back to your thing about follow-up, like don't follow. Okay. So don't wait too long. Also don't be like too annoying. Okay. Right. Like don't call them on a Saturday morning because the cocktail party was Friday night. So right? like, like what? Be, like, don't leave a it person. for a month. Don't leave it for yeah. a month but don't yeah. contact them outside of work hours. What, what, is that, no. what does that mean? Yeah, don't be like, annoying. Don't, so don't be so persistent that they literally see you on the caller ID and they're like, it's Jess again. I'm going to just like, what? Straight to voice I can't mail. with this guy. Yes. So you need to like, just again, I guess, think about how you would like to be approached and do that. Put yourself in their shoes and do that. So in a okay, so then we know, get to a the day or two. Yeah, we yep. So a day or back. two, we actually get back. They they looked at their calendar. They're like, "Come see me in a week." It happens. Yep. I show up. Mm-hmm. You show up, and same thing. So now you've had like one conversation. You know, there's some interest in whatever, like real estate in your case, right? And now um, you get into the room, and maybe you've done some research. Maybe you've gone to their website and you read their commentary, and you saw a couple sections on real estate, and so you mentioned that. Like, hey, I happened to be on your website, read your commentary, which was great, by the way, or I liked your website's really cool or whatever, right? And there was some some comments in your in your your insight piece about these challenges you're having in real estate. Like, is that so let's let's chat about that. Is that kind of what you're trying to solve for? You mentioned that you're having trouble with your real estate allocation and looking for some new options. Now the next thing is you have to find out specifics. So you found out generalities on like where they're looking and what's important. And now you need to understand why, why are they looking and what are they solving for? And there's sort of two things we look at there. What's the opportunity they're trying to harness or the problem they're trying to solve? It's either one of those two things, right? There's only, those are the only two things that get someone to make a change, pain or pleasure. And you need to figure out which one and what it is. And that's the goal of that meeting. There is no other goal. That's the incremental incremental next step. What's the what's the problem or what's the opportunity? And I need the specifics. And when you get it, you're done. Don't keep selling. Don't keep again. Like that's it. That so was what? the incremental next let's, step. Let's say I spent. Let's say say it took me 60, 80 percent of the conversation to get past what, and I got mm-hmm. through why, and I actually feel like, oh, now I know what the hole they're trying to fill looks like. 
Mm-hmm. How much am I teasing them with? Because they're they're gonna like it's not like I'm not gonna say anything about our fund, right? <laughs> well, no, then, right? then you would so talk how about much, that. Yeah. yeah, but how much am I telling them, and how much am I saving for? Like, how much am I telling them versus how much am I just setting the hook so that we get a second meeting? Well, once you're there, I think you also have to let them drive it, right? So yeah. if 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 they tell you that, right, um, and we do this when we have a manager with us, even though the manager wants to pitch, we let the investor talk first. So I'm, I'm always like, you're going to follow my lead. I'm sitting right next to the manager so I can flip the book to pages or whatever. The investor starts. We get them talking. We ask them some questions. And then you are going to want to respond to that in the context of what they said, in the context of the problem they have. So when they get done talking about like all of their stuff that's important to them, um, you have a choice. If you really want to kind of start from the beginning and do your pitch, if it's that type of a meeting, then you could ask like, this is fascinating. I've got so many cool things to share with you on this, but maybe it will help if I start from the beginning about kind of like who we are and why, why we're sitting here together. Right. And if they say, yeah, that sounds great. Um, then do it in a way that's like, again, your story, short, succinct, powerful, but you just told them you had cool things to say about what's important to them. So you kind of got to get there. Like you, you have to sort of, you don't have to play tell, the movie from start to beginning. You can fast forward to the parts yeah, they're interested in. You exactly. So like tell them your story because again, that's what's gonna resonate. But don't if that's like slide two in your deck. So how do I get and- myself not to play the movie start to finish? <laughs> you know what? And I apologize. This is like a five hour interview. We need to have you back on again. <laughs> And we're just going to do like, mold, we'll just it. do like a five part series of asking Stacy everything she knows. Okay. Yeah. But go yeah. on. Okay. So, so, sorry. If you have a salesperson, so first of all, bring someone with you. Okay. If you have someone in sales or somebody with you, because here's the other thing. When, when I, so if I'm, if I'm the PM, if I'm the portfolio manager, well, let's say with you, you're the portfolio manager, I'm the salesperson. Okay. Okay. So you're sitting next to me. We've got the investor talking. And I say to you, you know, I say to the table, hey, maybe it might make sense to have Jess just kind of talk about like why, you know, how did we get here? Like, what's the story? And then we have some really cool things that are going to tie back to what you said. So, you know, the investor says yes. And I say, Jess, you know, why don't you tell that? And you say, great. Is it two minutes? Is it five minutes? What is it? Yeah, it's it's probably, yeah, somewhere around there. It's not 20. and and, And let's say the pitch book is has some bullet points on your story. I'm going to, I'm next to you. I'm going to turn the page to that. So you're now seeing, I'm not kicking you under the table or anything, but I'm showing you visually, like, here's where I want you to go. And if, if after that, the slide, the next slide is like, here's our organization. And there's 18,000 people with, you know, a million years of experience. And then there's another 15 pages that I'm like, "Mm, maybe we skip that. Maybe because we only have 10 minutes left in our allotted time. I say, you know, I flip it five pages ahead and say, you mentioned something really interesting, which is this problem you're having or this opportunity you want to harness. And that's one of the core themes of the investment process here at Jess Larson's real estate fund, right? And and so you said X. That's like the key thing, reminding them that like you said this, not me, you. And now I'm going to give you some really cool and interesting and hopefully helpful things to think about. And yeah, they are going to tie back to me, but I'm doing it in a way that's about you. Okay. So I want to jump in there because I know we've only got so much time. Yeah. It works. How It like, 100% works. So 
so when it works and they're like, and they, they have, you, you've helped them tie it together, what they said they're looking for and how you can provide it for them. Yeah. If you were going to, and I know that we could talk about this for like the rest of the week, maybe we should, but <laughs> yeah. if you're going to give one, if you're going to give maybe one closing comment on you set the hook, they want to go on dates with us, but yeah. you know, like when it comes down to, we actually need to get their money. What, yes. What's one non-cheesy piece of advice? I know you're not cheesy, but like, what's a piece of advice about closing that you think people, maybe it's not obvious or that people get messed up or it, it all worked along the way, but now I need to actually get the check written. Yeah. Yes. So there are a couple cool kind of non-cheesy ways to do this, but here's the biggest thing with the close. Most salespeople don't want to hear no. It's true. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear no. They will keep a deal alive. They would rather not know and keep the deal alive than ask and get a no. And that is why everybody's funnel has the same shape and deals sit on a funnel and languish is because people don't want the no. But here's the thing. If that, it, it, like going back to what you said, if you, you want that person so much and it's not going to work out, imagine how great it's going to be when it actually does. And you're spending your time on the wrong investor. If it's not a fit, you need to know. And so we do have at each stage, like little incremental next step kind of things that we need to understand. One of kind of the soft, let's just say like a softer way of asking is, um, is at some point in that conversation, finding out what the time frame is. So it's a way for the investor to sort of push back a little. Like if you say what, you know, you've had this great conversation, it's the end of the meeting and you say, um, you know, so I know you're working on this search and, and you've got this due diligence is underway. Like what's the time frame um, for this? Is it like a three month thing, a six month thing, a 12 month thing? And, and by that, you're going to know how important it is. And if they say 12 months, it kind of has to go into a different bucket for you. Like that's more of a nurture. If they say three months, you need to kind of stay with them and, and ask them questions or when you're closing, reiterate, like, you know, you mentioned X, Y, and Z, and we have a piece that I think is really going to help you. So that's one of my homework items. What other homework can you give me? Right. So that you're kind of moving them to the last, last sort of ask, but along the way, you're giving them opportunities to sort of back out or, or push it. And at the very, I mean, at the very end, you do have to ask for the business, you know, you have to, you have to, and you have to yeah. be okay with a no. Well, and you can't just like, you know, give them the finger yeah. and, and, and walk away. Well, I'm, I'm loving what you're saying. P.S. I love that idea of asking for homework because it gives you an excuse oh, yeah. to talk to them again. That's such a great, yes. that's so great. <laughs> um, you know what I thought of is like so many people in this space, you know, they went to nice schools or they're, they've become somewhat more sophisticated within society and people want to be seen as nice and stuff like mm -hmm. that, right? And mm -hmm. I think as the entrepreneur or the fund manager, we desperately don't want to hear a no, right? Right. And they don't want to be mean and say no because they think we're nice enough totally. to have taken meetings with, right? And this mm -hmm. this idea that like we'll just like um, sit here until they finally tell us they want to buy, that could be a lot of sitting, oh, right? Oh my God. And it's such a waste of time. I think about like, you know, there's a quote and I wish I could remember who said this that I heard the other day that I feel like maybe helps me be willing to get the no is somebody said, mm -hmm. 
You can have almost anything you want in life if you're willing to ask at least a thousand people for it. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought like, you know, that takes so much pressure off and actually makes me want, not want to waste time. If I'm like... In, 100%. If I'm trying to like hurry up and see if I can get through a thousand, you know what I mean? And it's like, yes, I'm going to treat every person like a person when I see them, but I'm not going to like come hang out to hang out because... If you're if you're not the one, I got to I got like nine hundred more to get to. hundred percent, hundred percent. And so we have this thing that we internally call the filler kill email, which filler kill is like a type of trade that you know you could submit in whatever. But that's the context. But filler kill is the email. It's basically like the worst thing that happens is everything you're describing, and you've got all these deals and you know people sitting on your funnel and they're not responding to you, right? I mean that happens to every salesman. Like they're radio silent. I get nothing crickets. And so we developed this filler kill email, which basically says something to the effect of like, you know, niceties and then feel like I'm stuck. I don't want to stalk you. I don't want to, however you say it. Right. Um, so if this is not on your research radar, I'd like, it's that permission to close your account kind of thing. Mm -hmm. If this is not on your research radar, if this is not something you want to move forward with, um, you know, I'd like, I'm going to close this account. And, and it, you'd be surprised or close the opportunity because it's not really an account. Um, you'd be surprised what that does. A lot of people say, no, 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 don't take me off your distribution list. I, it's just not a high priority search. But to your point, they don't want to say no. But when you tell them that you're not interested anymore because they're not responding and so you're trying to read between the lines and maybe this isn't just isn't a good fit, some people will not do anything. So fine, that's the easy way out and everybody can move on. Some people will say, no, I'm sorry, I've just been slammed. Don't take me off, you know, off the, the list. I just need, give me three months um, or whatever. But you have to be willing to, to say that. And if somebody does pass, ask them why. Mm. They won't always tell you, um, but we have a, an email for that. Like, you know, we learn as much from the no's as we do from the yeses. So if you're comfortable sharing why you want to take a pass on that manager, that would be super helpful to us. And if you say it genuinely and you say it and the whole time you've been coming from a place of, to your point, like trust and authenticity, they, they often will tell you. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Okay, guys. Well, this episode's only going to go for two more hours. So if you need to, <laughs> okay, listen, this is great. Um, for, for just one minute, if, you know, I want you to write the book, taking back the 1%. Uh, so, um, but I know you're doing classes, obviously people could sign up to be a client. Give us just a, mm -hmm. tell, tell us a little bit, you know, so obviously there's stacyhavener.com, right? Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and .com to follow you or mm -hmm. connect on LinkedIn. Um, mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the class that might come out later or what, what, what do you want to sure. talk about? Yeah, I think that's great. So yeah, I mean, if we're on this mission to take 1% back, the first thing is, um, you know, we have to, we have to be more inclusive, right? Because 170 billion is a lot, um, of, of dollars. You need to help a lot of managers, um, you know, raise money in order for that to happen. And the way we've structured now to your point with our clients, you know, we have five clients at a time. Um, and so it's going to take, you know, 18 lifetimes to get this, this done. So we have to find a way to help more managers. And so, um, in addition to representing clients on the full service side, um, we are powering some, some managers efforts behind the scenes where if you have your own salespeople, we can execute our process, our system behind the scenes on your behalf. Um, so that's Havener Capital Strategies. That's the strategies group. And then to your, 
last comment about classes, Jess, we are launching Havener Capital Resources, which is the class system. And that's basically like, think about it like this with a little bit more structure and a little bit more homework and to-dos where you can learn all the systems, all the things that we do to successfully raise capital and DIY it, right? Do it yourself. And so those are the three ways that you can engage with us. And um, do you have any kind of a guesstimate or range on what you're going to charge for that or not yet? I don't. Um, I do have, they're not on the website yet, but I have some like secret landing pages for each one of those modules. So Jess, I'll send you a link to those and I'm absolutely fine with you sharing um, those links with your, your listeners. That's great. Well, Hey, this has been awesome. Thanks for sharing. Thanks I for agree. On the show. It's so fun. I'd, I'd come back anytime you name, you name the time and I'm here. <laughs> I love it. Okay. <laughs> thanks everybody for listening.